I'm Jenny Brockbank. And I'm Katie Willis. We've experienced destructive circumstances while striving to keep our covenants, which has made us desperate for a Savior. We found Christ in so many unexpected places, and we continue to search for Him. Come sit with us. Welcome to Healing in Christ's Light. I'm Jenny Brockbank, and I'm here today with one of my favorite people on the planet. And I'm really excited to introduce to my whole audience, Katie Willis. And Katie is going to be a co-host on this podcast. And I'll tell you a few reasons of why I'm excited about that. And one, uh, anybody who knows Katie knows that she's basically sunshine in human form. She's darling. She's fun to be around. Her insights are deep. And I really gain a lot from my friendship and from back and forth that Katie have often. And so I am very thrilled. Katie is well qualified in many different aspects. And I am really excited to introduce you to her. And Katie, will you tell us just a little bit about your professional background and what sorts of things um, you're focusing on these days. You bet. And thanks again for having me. I just feel so humbled and excited. I am a yoga teacher. I have one final module left before I've completed my yoga teacher trainer certificate. So I do teach yoga and meditation. Some of my favorite, favorite specialties to teach are trauma-sensitive yoga. And I also love teaching kundalini yoga and meditation. I'm also a life coach, and right now I'm working on an advanced coaching cert, cert. Oh my gosh, an advanced coaching certification. That's a mouthful. It's based on neuroscience and somatic movement, and I will be working one on one with clients in the aftermath of relationship trauma. So I've kind of put things on hold for a little minute with some needs at home with my kiddos, and I'm really excited to be opening up my calendar in a few months for practice clients for the one-on-one -on -one coaching and to get back to teaching live yoga and meditation again very soon. I want to say that I took a, a yoga class from you a few years ago that was so mm -hmm. transformational. I thought I didn't understand that it would be. I honestly didn't. I just thought oh, right? this feels good and this is a, a neat opportunity and it sounds relaxing and I did not understand <laughs> how connecting it was and what a beautiful job you did. I remember bringing in the spirit to those classes and and connecting things for me that just hadn't been connected before. So whoever gets oh, to be in your classes upcoming, I just want to say I'm excited for them and for that transformative experience. And same with coaching. So welcome, Katie, and thank, thank you, you so much. Jenny. For me. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. I also want to mention before we move on that I have a book coming out. I can't believe it, but I'm an author. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's official until February, you know, when it's actually published, but it is for pre-sale right now and it's on Amazon. And so if you just go look for Healing in Christ's Light, it's Healing in Christ's Light. The full title is Healing in Christ's Light from Patterns of Sexual Betrayal as a Covenant-Keeping Daughter of God. But... If you just go look for Healing in Christ Light, I think you'll it'll pull up. And, and there's a picture on the cover. My publisher did a beautiful job um, using right. this beautiful artwork with Christ, you know, and this woman kind of, kind of just being comforted by him. And it's so beautiful. So I'm honored to have um, had their participation, their, them backing me up. So thanks to Cedar Fort Publishing. And I hope that it'll help other people. And if nothing else, it helped me to write it. So Aww. yeah, but go buy the book for me, would you? <laughs> and can I, can Friend? I double plug that? I got to be one of Jenny's beta readers and it is fabulous. And Jenny, you're officially an author right now. 
(laughs) So congrats. And I cannot wait for other women to get to read this book. It is really, really transformational. Thank you. Well, I just wanted to share things that um, I wished I had known. You know, it's it's a journey, the, the journey of betrayal trauma. It's like, I didn't know what I was dealing with or how it fit with the gospel. And so I just was hoping to make that easier for for anyone else. So thank you, Katie. And thank you for your beta reader (laughs) listening or reading. (laughs) My privilege. All right. Today we're going to talk about a a talk. And really, I want Katie to take the lead on this because um, I I want people to understand what she brings to the table, which is unique and special. The depth is so impressive to me. And the talk that we decided that we would focus on is One in Christ by Elder D. Todd Christofferson. And any anything uh, we reference will be in the show notes. So you can go link to any of those things. But I remember Katie talking about discussing this talk in Relief Society and thinking, I think many of these women are having a different experience with this talk or looking at it um, maybe from a different angle than than how I would view it uh, because it the talk um, is so beautiful. And I sat there just kind of tweaking it in my brain, like, and how do I apply this to a destructive relationship, you know, where there's abuse, addiction, adultery, or abandonment? Like, how do I apply this talk to that? How do I practice being one with someone? And I think there can be some real confusion about that and what we do and what our role is and and our boundaries okay then, you know, if we're trying to be one in Christ. And so I kind of wanted to just make sure that the listeners understand that we're both approaching it from that perspective. As someone who has experienced a destructive relationship, how do we apply that talk to those circumstances? So I'll let you kind of take it away from there if that's okay. And I'll chime in when you feel like it. So go for it. Yeah, please do. Don't don't feel afraid to just jump in. Um, I I loved this talk, and I'm so excited that we decided to discuss it. And part of me wishes, Jenny, that we had hit record on some of the Marco Polos and the audio messages that we've had back and forth, because I feel like Jenny and I have discussed a lot of things over the years um, in our friendship along these lines. But I feel like one thing that Elder Christofferson does really well is he points out that regardless of where the quote-unquote other person is, we have to have a solid foundation. He says, quote, Mm -hmm. becoming one in Christ happens one by one. We each begin with ourselves. We are dual beings of flesh and spirit and are sometimes at war within ourselves. So for me, I feel like first and foremost, before I try to pull anybody else into the interactions, I feel like he's saying we need to be one in Christ and one within and centered on that and continually being mindful of of that within ourselves. So when we start with ourselves and we start with the Lord, we can be at peace within ourselves. So I love that you you're bringing it up in a context that I have felt too so many times, you know, you brought up the classic Relief Society lesson. Sometimes it feels a little fluffy in those lessons that it's like, "Oh, I'm aching so deep." To have the courage to raise my hand and say, okay, isn't that great if I'm one with Christ and the people around me are one with Christ? We can do incredible things when we are both striving for that and we come together, um, whether it's as a couple or as friends or within our callings and we're part of a committee. When we are all committed to that, it is marvelous what happens. Because when we have Christ with us, no matter what our efforts are, they're going to be more. They will always be magnified. And when we are interacting with people that are striving for that, 
it's just so powerful. Yet, many of us don't experience that or experience that in every relationship. So what do we do when we're kind of finding a mismatch? Now, let me come back to that, but I want to shift back to Elder Christofferson's talk. Oh, actually, let me go here first before I read the President um, Marion G. Romney quote. Elder Christofferson says, quote, If individually we each put on Christ, then together we can hope to become one, as Paul said, the body of Christ. To put on Christ certainly includes making his first and great commandment our first and greatest commitment. And if we love God, we will keep his commandments. Unity with our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ grows as we heed the second commandment inextricably connected to the first, to love others as ourselves. So again, it's so beautiful when we come together in those ways. But listen to, he quotes President Marion G. Romney of of the opposite of when we aren't one in Christ as individuals and how that can amplify and magnify in negative ways. He said, um, President Marion G. Romney, a former counselor in the First Presidency, in explaining how enduring peace and unity are obtained, said, quote, if a single person yielding to Satan is filled with the works of the flesh, he wars within himself. If two yield, they each war within themselves and fight with each other. If many people yield, a society reaps the harvest of great stress and contention. If the rulers of a country yield, there is a worldwide contention. President Romney continued, As the works of flesh have universal application, so likewise does the gospel of peace. If one man lives it, he has peace within himself. If two men live it, they each have peace within themselves and with each other. If the citizens live it, the nation has domestic peace. When there are enough nations enjoying the fruit of the Spirit to control world affairs, then and only then will the war drums throb no longer and the battle flags be furled. So I appreciated that he brought up that contrast from President Marion G. Romney, because it can magnify and amplify either direction based on us as individuals staying centered on Christ and continually being one with Him. It's not enough if we were one with Christ yesterday or this morning. We need to continually center ourselves in unity with Him. So then I was just thinking along the lines, I'm so glad you brought it up, Jenny, when we have patterns of destructive patterns in our relationships. Um, I'm thinking back to episode two, I believe, with Jeff Stewart, where you discuss power differentials. To me, in my mind, I feel like this goes so much in line with that when um, a person is striving and and I think maybe I'll be humbly bold to say me because I'm responsible for me, right? So if I'm that person that's striving to be one in Christ, I'm not living in a perfect world. And unfortunately, I'm not always striving to unify with other people who are striving to stay unified with Christ. And so that can put that, that power differential into play when we are trying to bring harmony and unity and the harmony and harmony and unity efforts are only coming from our end or mostly coming from our end, what do we do? Um, I've learned a lot from one of the therapists that I've worked closely with in the past several years named Tony Overbay. And he has what he calls his four pillars. And I've learned so much from him about the ways that I approach these types of situations? Am I being curious? Am I being open-minded? Am I being, you know, humble? Am I um, willing to let somebody have a different experience or come to a different conclusion than I've come to? I also think of the book, Crucial Conversations. I believe you've read that too, right, Jenna? Yeah, so good. Yep. And I really, I really, it opened my eyes to realize the ways that I'm saying things matter 
probably even more than what I'm saying in many situations. And so for me, I feel like when I have these situations that I'm, I feel like I'm striving to be one with Christ, but I'm needing to make a decision or I'm needing to come together and co-create on on something in various settings, whether that's in my home or in my church callings or in my neighborhood. Um, if I am feeling like I'm being met with somebody who is not coming from that place, what can I do? And I've learned for me, one of the first steps is to check myself and then check myself again. And sometimes even more that is there more I could be doing to create a safe space. Um, I don't know if you remember this quote, and I may have to find it. And um, it's coming to mind, Elder Neil L. Anderson. He said, revelation is scattered among us. Mm. And I love this being a visual learner. I am picturing that when I'm coming to the table, again, whether it's me and just somebody else or me and I'm part of a group, I'm picturing that each one of us have a puzzle piece. And sometimes it can be really difficult for us if we're looking over the shoulder of another person and we feel like our puzzle piece isn't as pretty or neat and tidy or, you know, we look at theirs and we think, well, my puzzle piece doesn't feel very important. But I don't know if you've ever done a puzzle and you get down to the end and you're missing a piece. Absolutely. We do puzzles a lot at my house. That's frequent. Okay. So you relate to that visual. So if Revelation is scattered among us, I believe sometimes what we can do from our end to bring unity mm-hmm. is a backdoor approach, is to check ourselves, adjust ourselves, adapt so that we are creating enough safety for everyone to feel like they can put their puzzle pieces down. Now, sometimes for me, as I've been checking with the Lord, um, I've had a lot of lessons, especially in recent years, to learn that sometimes I've not been aligned with Him, but it's looked different than what I thought. So for example, for me, I've had to learn to speak up and to use my voice and to say, you know, I'm not okay with that, or I have questions about that, or or to just, hey, can we pause? And that was really surprising to discover that with the Lord, because I felt like partnering with the Lord looked different than that. But He's going to work with us in different ways because we're we're each different people and we each are working on different things. And so sometimes being more unified with Him might look different than what we've pictured or it might look different now because we've grown and we have a different capacity than it has in the past. So we want to double check ourselves. We also, um, personal revelation cannot be overemphasized. And sometimes I feel like in situations that are very complicated and sensitive and severe, um, sometimes it might sound like we're trying to oversimplify by saying, well, we'll just seek for personal revelation. But again, it's so, it's so huge because of how tailored it is to us as individuals and every individual involved and God knowing each of our hearts and God seeing the situation clearly, um, that just because we can't say here's a one-size-fits-all answer in detail doesn't negate how significant it is to seek for personal revelation before, during, and after interactions when we are trying to unify, especially if we feel like we're a little mismatched, where we we feel like we've done what we can to be one with Christ and we feel like we've done what we can to create that safe environment or make whatever adjustments we have been overlooking and are missing, um, that that personal revelation can really help us to to check and see, is is this a clean sweep or is there more that I can try or a different approach or something else mm-hmm. I need to do in addition? Um, I was well, thinking- Well, and just to put it out there- Oh, go ahead. I feel like, yeah. um, one, we should have a whole episode on creating safety. 
uh, because I just oh, think that that, that is so underestimated the power of creating safety. Mm-hmm. And it was something I totally yeah. didn't understand when I began, you know, my own recovery journey six and a half years ago or so. And uh, it was so transformative for me to be able to show up for people in safer ways. Uh, but also because I, I was less judgmental, I felt cleaner with the Lord, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I think in order to create safety, I feel like um, we do have to bring curiosity to the table instead of understanding. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, I just just want to mention, because you keep bringing up creating safety because it's so beautiful, that you have done such a good job at this and that I have learned a lot from you over the years. And so really, we should maybe, you know, do a, an episode, a whole episode on that. But keep going. Thanks for your, <laughs> I would love that. your patience. With oh, me well, but you know what? This is perfect. And hopefully you're okay with me saying this, Jenny, if not edit it out. But, you know, I've joked that, Jenny, you're the boundary queen. You really are. And this is where you shine. And I feel like for me, I am just so um, innately, oh, I didn't expect to be emotional. I'm so innately drawn to other people. And I have, it's not that you don't have compassion too, Jenny, um, but I just have such high levels of compassion and empathy that it's it's very rare for me to struggle to be willing to be open-minded or willing to ask people questions about, you know, what is that like for you and help me understand. And, and, and I don't have a challenge usually of being willing to put myself in other people's shoes. And every strength comes with a pairing weakness, right? So I think this is perfect Mm. to, you know, maybe segue because for those of us who are very, um, my therapist, Tony calls it pathologically kind. For those of us who are so (laughs) tenderhearted and highly unusually empathetic and compassionate, this mismatchment of, of, working so hard to check ourselves and adjust ourselves and come to the table so willing to unify and so willing to harmonize and being met with others who either don't have that capacity and or aren't interested in developing that capacity it can be it can be so soul crushing so going back to that first part of the quote from Elder Christofferson's talk where he was quoting President Marion G. Romney. I feel like this, this mismatchment, it's dangerous ground. And I didn't know that till recent years, Jenny, because right. here's the danger, I feel, twofold. And I'd be open if you see, you know, more levels or listeners, you want to chime in and, and add your thoughts here. But number one, sometimes we think that we can love a person enough or sacrifice enough, or um, negotiate enough, and you know, turn our, twist ourselves into the shape of a pretzel enough. <laughs> I'm so to guilty. Of this. Fle- you know, be flexible. Yeah. Yes, I know that that that's all they need is to be loved enough, mm-hmm. or we must not be doing enough to create enough safety, or we must not have said it in the right way. And so the danger here is. We think that we're strong enough, and I want to emphasize, with Christ, we can get through all things. I'm not saying that we can't. With his strength, we can, and we're mortal. And so we're going to run out of patience, and it can shatter us mentally, and it can totally leave us so depleted in our in our energy you know being a brain geek and a body specialist with all of the professional work um our bodies weren't designed to stay in these types of situations long term it's so stressful so stressful on our body and our bodies will shut down we will get sick we'll get overloaded like so here we think we just need to do more and do more and do more but we're not on neutral ground when we're mismatched like this. Now, sometimes, you know, like we discussed earlier, sometimes we can make adjustments from our end and it clicks into place. 
and we can move forward. And um, Elder Christofferson talks about in his in his talk that we can either set aside our differences. Um, I might need to find that. We'll put it in the notes. The quote was really sweet. He talks about how we can either set aside our, aside our differences or there was something else. Um, and sometimes we can. But when we have these power differentials, when it's chronic, it's long-term, we're seeing these destructive patterns. They're going on and on. We're not on neutral ground. So we are risking getting pulled the opposite direction. Here we're trying to hold tension and invite somebody to unify in Christ. And we're trying to make the adjustments we need to, and we're inviting them to make the adjustments they need to, but they won't. Mm-hmm. We're we're risking. It's like if there's a tug of war, we're gonna get pulled their direction, and and we are risking getting really tired. So you know that was the second is when we're in this place where we're constantly holding this high high level of tension with the conflict and the contention that just is not resolving. We're not able to set aside our differences or resolve our differences. That's depleting us, and that's energy and attention and time that's going in that direction. And I believe Satan and his little henchmen, they know that. And I believe that each one of us who are still here on this planet, we're breathing for a reason. And all of the time and the energy that's going those directions, that's feeding into that contention that's going to magnify is getting depleted away from God's work and the the part in God's plan that we need to play personally. So it's a dangerous ground. It is dangerous ground. But again, it's complicated because for many of us, these are relationships that we hold so dear or people right. that we spend so much time with. Because if we are mismatched at the grocery store and we can't work out with the person you know, whether they should go before us or after us, it's not going to impact us to this level. Right. It's these relationships that we hold so dear. So along those lines, I am curious then, how do we protect ourselves from being depleted? Like, what mm-hmm. is your suggestion? Totally. You know, so we're, we're mixed matched with somebody who is, um, not willing to be one with Christ, we'll just say, and we're trying mm-hmm. really hard to be one with Christ and we're doing our best to hold space and to um, not be judgmental and to do all the things you talked about where we're um, being as loving as possible and giving them the space to make their choices. But, you know, they on their end, it's like, how how then, What is your what are your thoughts about how do you disengage enough to make sure that that we're not being depleted, that I'm not being depleted. What are your thoughts on that? I love, I love that. I love that you pointed that out. I have three suggestions along those lines. Number one, and and these are suggestions that have worked for me. And just because they've worked for me doesn't mean that they'll necessarily work for everyone. But I would say, number one, partnering with the Lord to constantly monitor the state of my heart. When we were preparing for this episode, I love that you brought up um, Jenny that it's almost been four years because we're coming back to the Book of Mormon again and come follow me. But the come follow me manual had suggested a visual of putting eggs and peeled potatoes in a single pot of water and turning on the heat. And it was in connection with um, Alma, I believe it's 63. We can put that in the show notes where it was talking about because of how intense and how long the war was, some people's hearts became hardened while other people's hearts became softened. And so I was able to show this to my kids, like, look at how cool. Both of these were in the exact same pot of water and look how the eggs are hard and the potatoes are soft. I'm thinking of um, the prophecies in the scriptures about how the last days Men's hearts shall fail them. The love of men shall wax cold. Um, I relate so much to that and so much to that passage in Alma 63 where sometimes this war is really long and it's really hard. And it can be very easy for our hearts to become cold and hard 
if we are not constantly striving with the Lord. Now, again, I wish I could say, and this is exactly how it looks. I can't say that because each of us are different. But I feel like when we set that intentionality and we renew it every day and sometimes multiple times a day to check in with the Lord on the state of our heart and ask for him to steer us and help us to make the adjustments that we need to, Um, even though there are going to probably be moments for most of us that are very, very, very harrowing. I feel like over time when we have that intention and we are taking the actions that we get in the promptings that we receive, our hearts will overall stay warm and soft. And the Lord will do that for us as we partner with him. So regardless of what others are deciding as to whether or not they want to join us in being one with Christ, it's almost like it's a shield for our heart so that we can tolerate going through the hardness of this. Um, Any thoughts on this before I share number two? Yes, I do have something to add. And um, I just want to make sure, like like we're talking about, that we're taking care of our own hearts and what, what can we do? Because the trick is we can't control another person and we can't control when somebody is behaving in destructive ways. All we can control is ourselves. Exactly. And so um, recently I've been going through some really hard things and just have been pleading with the Lord to please help my heart to not turn bitter. Because I think for me, bitterness is like if I've I think anger's okay. I think it's okay to to feel the frustration and and things like that. The Lord was angry. Looking looking at those scriptures, um, are, it's just so powerful. Figuring out, I think it's called righteous indignation to look and see how often the Lord was yes. angry, which was quite a lot. But there's a difference when my heart turns bitter, and it's not soft if there's bitterness and I'm not uh, pliable and, and um, able to hear and receive revelation as well. So I really love that you, you bring up the, the example of the potatoes and the, the eggs and to make sure, you know, I'm working with the Lord to do what I can to make sure that he can still communicate with me and I'll still be receptive to his, his words and his will. That is, that is on me. That's my job. So thank you. Ooh, thank you for adding that. I love how you clarified that. Okay, number two, hard boundaries. As we were preparing, Jenny, you brought up a quote I'd sent you recently that talked about hard boundaries, soft heart. And this is one way, in addition to asking the Lord and praying and staying close to him, but as we are willing to have hard boundaries, this can Mm -hmm. keep our hearts soft. Um, I don't know if you have lots and lots and lots of thoughts to add, or again, you are the boundary queen, but something that really helped me as I've had to set some really hard boundaries in the past four or five years in order to protect myself, my heart, my mental health, to Mm -hmm. safeguard the resources that I am and the resources that I have with my time and my energy. It was really confusing at first because again, That's so not how I've behaved in my own patterns until recent years. So it helped me a lot to think, does God do boundaries? You bet. He cast out one third of his own children. Um, I also was thinking, I don't know if we want to link this in the show notes, but the blog post I recently shared over on my website where I had just finished the Book of Mormon. I've, it took me about five months to read this time. And the lens that I was prompted to look through was how the Book of Mormon could help me navigate destructive relationships. And I was surprised to mm. find so many instances where the Lord directed people to protect themselves, to set boundaries, to even exit relationships. And that was so validating to me. And so I don't know if you feel like you have thoughts you want to add about boundaries in general or specifically about whether or not God does boundaries. Is it quote unquote Christ-like to have boundaries with people? What are your thoughts there? Well, I do want to add that I'm going to guess that um, if people are new to this kind of concept, the concept of boundaries, um, and that that feels uncomfortable 
that's normal. That's totally normal. And in fact, right? I just want to bring up a little bit of a funny story where um, I, six, six plus years ago, six and a half years ago, I got up some courage and I called my dear friend here, Katie Willis, <laughs> and Katie starts <laughs> talking to me about boundaries. <laughs> and I said, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think that's a righteous principle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Katie, you handled it so much grace. I'm not kidding. I I really just appreciated it. And and later, um, Katie, you mentioned to me that you had been on the phone talking to me while sitting at the Brigham City Temple, looking at that temple with the boundary of a fence around it. <clears throat> and that absolutely it's appropriate to protect things that are important. And so, you know, for me, I have to, I have to make sure that I'm making a boundary based on safety. That's so critical that I'm not making right. it for control or to, to make sure that somebody else is going to change because that does cross the line mm -hmm. and is not really a boundary, but the more I can, can make those boundaries, <laughs> Right. It's not a boundary at all. And so the the more that I can really look and evaluate, am I safe in this? And do is there something precious that needs to be protected here? And then, you know, put in a boundary and God uses boundaries. And I do think we should have also another episode on boundaries for sure, because yes. um, I've learned a lot and I love talking with you about this subject. So so let's do that. Let's oh, put that on, thanks. on our list. I would love that. <laughs> And this is an area that, ironically, here I pushed, you know, the envelope a little bit with you at the time six years ago, but I have learned so much from Jenny about boundaries because yeah. once she started grasping like, oh, hey, God does do boundaries, I feel like you've just taken this <laughs> and run it in so many beautiful directions that I feel like benefits so many of us coming behind you because one thing that Jenny does really well is she won't promote something that she's not confident is not in full truth. And so Jenny has done a deep, deep dive and has done the work to find these principles in the scriptures. And I just, I just have learned so much from you about boundaries. Uh, thank you. Um, so the third thing, if you're ready, yeah, is, is work with professionals. And for me as a covenant keeping and a faith-filled woman and somebody who has made my relationship with God a top, top priority for my whole life. I didn't initially understand how much value and benefit would come from, from yes, keep reading my scriptures and yes, keep going to church and the temple and all of those good things that are helping me, but to also pull in the right professionals who could help me make sense of these destructive relationships. Um, for me, in the destructive relationships that have been the most intense to work through, there has been untreated mental illness. Um, there have been generational patterns. There have been so many pieces that I could not make sense of until I started involving the right professionals. And then, do you know, it's kind of fun. Again, I just mentioned that blog post I wrote. Now I'm able to go back and read the scriptures, or now I'm able to hear sometimes talks from prophets and apostles, and I'm like, oh, I can get that now because I've been in therapy or because I've done some of these other avenues of healing, and I was blocked in how deep I could go in my relationship with God and how deep I could implement the gospel of Jesus Christ in my life until I brought in those right professionals that could help me remove the debris, could help me make sense of things, could help me lay out a game plan to change. So do you have thoughts on that? Yes, actually, I, I agree that uh, professionals have helped me a lot. I do want to add that, um, Finding the right professional yes. can be very tricky. So I just want to put it out there that if people go in and they see a therapist, for instance, and the therapist, you know, is really not a good fit, it was brave to try. 
Mm-hmm. And it's brave to go try someone else. Then it's brave to also walk out of the room. <laughs> you yeah. know, either way, you know, as kindly as we can, it's okay to just realize that wasn't my fit. And, uh, but who can help me? And I do believe the Heavenly Father can use all sorts of ways to heal us. All sorts of ways. I mean, I've heard of people really doing some deep healing with horse equine therapy, you know, things like that, like that are just, yeah, just, just all sorts of things. And so I don't think that there's necessarily this one size fits all this one professional is going to be everybody's fit, you know, but, um, to look at who, who really check out their qualifications as best you can to, you know, look deep and to figure out maybe even interview them. I know a lot of therapists will do interviews and you can just say, mm. what do you believe about this? Or, or what would your approach be here? Or what's your take on whatever important issue? Like maybe you want to know about divorce, you know, what are they going to push you to something or are they going to let you just hold space right. for whatever your decision is? You know, those kinds of things are, are important to know and then to take what we like and leave the rest. So that's kind of what I'd like to add there. Oh, I love Thanks that. Thanks for asking. And I'm so glad you I'm so glad you brought that up and and to take away the you know, the fluff. Even just this year, I've talked Tony Tony Tony. He's fabulous and he's out of state. And so as as I've been trying to find a better fit to run my insurance um through for these sessions, I have fired two therapists this year before finally finding a third. Yeah. That it's not that they weren't good therapists. It's that I I understand I need some very specific, highly specialized support right now. And I need certain combinations with different things. So I love that you pointed that out. Because in my mind, I, I know that, that it's a very brave thing to try therapy and a very brave thing to say, you know what, we're not well matched. Maybe fired was a little bit of a strong word there, Jenny. <laughs> but um. <laughs> I, you know, that's even my personal experience just in the past 12 months. It's taken me several right. tries to find a therapist that I'm feeling confident and comfortable with, even though the other therapists that I said, you know what? No, thanks. They've got other clients that I'm I'm sure they're helping and are a good fit, but it wasn't a good fit for me at that time. So thanks for bringing that up. Um, I would yeah. love to wrap this up with one final quote from Elder Christofferson's talk. He says, quote, unity does not require sameness, but it does require harmony. We can have our hearts knit together in love, be one in faith and doctrine, and still cheer for different teams, disagree on various political political issues, debate about goals and the right way to achieve them, and many other such things. But we can never disagree or contend with anger or contempt for one another. And I looked up that word contempt in the dictionary. It says the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving scorn. So he's saying, Mm. it's okay. We're not going to agree. We're not the same. We're striving for harmony. We're striving for unity. But never with with anger. We're never contending with anger or contempt for others. I love that. Just to add that I do, like, I, I want to explore this further because I'm very curious about that. Uh, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, and Christ flipped tables, you know? And to me, as I'm Amen. looking at it, I'm like, if we want to look at, like, righteous indignation, and we maybe want to call anger righteous mm-hmm. indignation, um, when it's yeah. a problem, because sometimes I know that I have felt anger deficient. And the problem with that is, mm-hmm. is that then I don't necessarily set the necessary boundaries because I don't feel this enough yep. of a fire to do something about it. And so mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious, you know, I, I don't know, in future, in the future, hopefully we can explore what that looks like a little better so that we can understand, because I, I don't think I'm very clear on it. You know, where is the line between mm. I, I responded in anger and inappropriately or I responded with righteous indignation with this firm stance, you know, connected with God 
and was more more forceful in what I said, but it was not necessarily wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes so much sense. Again, I'm thinking of my recent studying of the Book of Mormon. Do you remember when Nephi shocked Laman and Lemuel? Yeah. <laughs> was that maybe some of this righteous indignation? And what Elder Christofferson said is we don't contend in anger. And oh, I've done that sometimes. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you. Sometimes you're leaving an anonymous nasty post, you know, or comment. That to me feels more like contending with anger rather than experiencing anger, which like you just said, it's vital in order for us to heal. It is part of our healing process. Again, coming from a body geek standpoint, brain geek standpoint, we have to experience that anger. That's part of our healing. And as long as we are expressing it in ways that are appropriate, our anger is fire to our feet. It is signaling to us that something's not right. It's giving us the will to make the changes or to set those boundaries or to say enough, this stops here. Because without that anger behind us, you're right, we can be so passive and that's not healing. So yeah, let's do a whole episode on that, Jenny. I would love, I would love to hear your thoughts on that too. Yeah. Um, but I really appreciate Elder Christofferson's talk and this chance to chat with it with you about it. And I'm really looking forward to our chats as we explore more about the power differentials and the four A-type behaviors and the generational impacts and doing such with, with gentle frankness. Because in my opinion, we need more safe spaces where we can discuss this, not only safe to bring up that puzzle piece like what we talked about, to bring up our questions, but also doctrinally safe, that we're not launching off the deep end. We're not... Yes promoting false doctrine we're not um we're not using this platform to perpetuate our trauma and our triggers and pointing fingers and right right but as a space that we are striving our hardest to be one in christ and we're inviting we're inviting other people to be one in christ as well and we can come together and heal in his light together that's so beautiful Beautifully said, and I just really appreciate. I've taken a lot of notes here. I look forward to exploring things further and learning more. As we close, I'm hoping that you'll share a bit about how Healing in Christ's Light has benefited you. That'd be my privilege. For me, Healing in Christ's Light has had two interrelated features. The first, I have been invited to learn about grace. And what I've learned about grace is it is my Savior's strengthening, enabling power that gives me the capacity, it gives me the power and the strength to face anything. So every heartache, every betrayal, every fear, every stress, every pressure, and I believe even every joy, my Savior has felt. He experienced it in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I was thinking recently about, um, in our Come Follow Me study, we've been studying the book of Hebrews. And in chapter 2 of Hebrews, it's talking about our Savior and, and again, that He's experienced all of these things. And it reminded me of a passage in Ephesians 4 where it talks about how Christ has descended below all things. And it hit me afresh that he's not only experienced everything I've experienced, but he went even lower, even lower than that. And I don't know about you or those who are listening, but like, that's low. <laughs> as I think about the dark days that I've had, and as I think about how difficult some of the experiences that I have been through. And he went lower. But something that I really love um, in Ephesians 4 is it talks about, but he also ascended. 
He went above all. And for me, I feel like it's this juxtaposition of having descended below and ascended above. I believe this is where his grace comes into play because he's experienced all of that. He knows how to sit in those dark places with me, but he's not leaving me there. He knows how to help me to change and develop and rise above. And and that is his great joy, is helping to give me the strength and the capacity and the power with him to rise. So then I love in Come Follow Me, we also read Hebrews chapter 4. And in verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So as I've been learning about grace, um, it has helped to illuminate my mind to know that I don't need to be ashamed. I don't need to be embarrassed. I don't need to stay stuck in the overwhelm and the weight of the things that I'm facing because I have a Savior. And I, while I can't earn His grace, I'm learning to activate His grace and intentionally invite Him into these difficult and dark, and again, even joyful spaces to be with me. And the second feature we kind of hit on earlier, actually, in this interview, but it's learning, well, what does that look like to activate His grace and apply His grace? And for me, as I've alluded to in this interview, um, my situations have been pretty severe and complicated, and I wouldn't have been able to fully heal without the qualified professionals who have helped me. And I feel like going to therapy and 12-step and for me yoga is so huge and other avenues of healing as well, all of these places, all of these qualified professionals have helped me to lay out a game plan. And we've been able to scan the terrain together and kind of make a game plan to say, okay, these are the steps that I'm going to need to take in order to heal from the things that I've been through. And that was so helpful. And to have that knowledge has been so empowering. But without Jesus Christ, I wouldn't have been able to take those steps. I wouldn't have been able to tolerate the intensity of going down, down, down through all of the layers. I couldn't change myself. But my Savior could, and His grace has made it possible for me to become a new creature in Him and to be able to have a new life in Him. And I testify of Him and the power of His grace, and I am literally a living witness to the reality of it. You can find Jenny at HealingInChristLight.com. You can find Katie at GraceFilledPathways.FreshLearn.com. We're both on Instagram and Facebook, too. Thanks for exploring Christ Light with us.